Desperate times call for desperate measures. But will the characters in today's story be prepared for the consequences or the price that has to be paid? Today's story is by Alicia Galvin and is a part of her book, A Path Through the Forest. After listening to her story of one woman's tragic tale, check out the interview that's also available right now on the Dark Volumes. But first, this is The Vessel by Alicia Galvin. I didn't think too deeply about Susie Coots' death until I saw her smiling picture on the thin, mystery-stained newspaper page. I'd heard she died, the way words scatter around like autumn birds, not so sure about this way or that, yet dropping their mayo-colored shit on what they please. Susie was a year older than me in school. Seeing her smile brought distant things fluttering back. I guess that's why I told Danny yes when he'd asked if I'd go. Asked less like a question, though. Susie was the kind of beauty to polish a name, make it brighter, shine like a precious metal. For all my life, I'll associate a Susie with radiant skin, blonde hair, a Miss America smile, and longing. I ain't the only one carrying around those boxes. But I might now be the only one carrying fear. I was sitting in the trailer's front room when Danny came from the back. The front door was open. I was using the fading daylight to flip through the comic book that had been left on the coffee table. Beside the Playboy and Penthouse magazines laid out almost how a poker player might hand his cards, so only a little bit of each behind issue showed. The comic book was old. In it, Superman died. I worked as a cashier at Come and Go, this being one of my few days off. Danny owned the trailer. I was to pay a small rent, having moved in the week before. Since I'd gotten my GED a year after I should have graduated, life hadn't gone so smooth. My shitty little job had held itself proud up to my shitty little boyfriend and my shitty little life. The week before, a time when Susie Coots was happily oblivious to her upcoming demise, I had said see ya to the boyfriend and his cockroach department. The job I had to keep, for now. Danny said I could sleep here until I answered questions about life. Let's head out. We got a long night ahead of us, Danny said. He held three shovels. A small backpack hung from one shoulder. He was a thin man with short black hair. His skin was wax-looking, marked from acne so bad that when we were teens I'd wondered if he'd had much face left under the pus bumps. He was Susie's age. They'd been in the same graduating class. I dropped the comic book on top of a busty woman, followed him out to the truck after he locked up. The trailer was on a small piece of land outside of town, mid-Missouri trees and brush all around us. Danny did legal wrench-turning most of the week, and not so legal this and that on certain nights. I didn't want to know, so I didn't ask. But he came around smelling like certain chemicals. He was a smart enough guy to know how some of those drug labs went up in fast, needy flames. I didn't see a point in warning him. You ever done anything like this before? I asked as he drove. Our road was gravel until it finally met a more respectable asphalt. I've come to believe you can tell a lot about how a thing is valued by the condition of the road getting there. Things and people. And we were gravel people. Always had been. 
with mostly dirt road ambitions. I've done things, Danny said, cryptic. I didn't doubt him, but I could see he was anxious too. Whatever he'd done hadn't been so grand, if that's the word to use. I watched him as he drove. He was my brother in every sense except the most crucial one, my blood. Megan, his mother, had raised us together. My own parents, I guess, had thought better of being responsible for another person. Probably afraid I'd turn out reflecting all their mistakes, mirror-like. In some manner, I was left to Megan's care. The story was never told to me, and Megan had passed due to lung cancer before I'd wondered enough to ask. But I got the notion my mom and Megan had been friends. The paper said she was in a car accident. You think she's all messed up? I asked of Susie. It could be. I don't think it matters. What exactly do you have in mind? I asked. Danny chewed on the inside of his lip. I'm not ready to say we rode quiet, and night came along with its usual saunter. Through town, where headlights and store signs could make you forget how short life is. Susie's newspaper photo stuck in my mind. She was in college, the paper had said. Her entire story hadn't been present, only the single page Danny had brought from someplace. That smile, and in college the kind of life with asphalt streets. You ever speak to her, Susie? I asked. I had an occasion. There were lots of meanings there. I shared a gym class with her, I said. Her locker was near mine. The inside of the truck cab was dark. Is this about it being her or being dead? Sometimes. Danny said lowly. Stars align. There weren't but a few graveyards. Danny seemed to know which one was wanted. He parked among oak trees and shadows. For a moment, we didn't speak. When he moved, I followed. We threw our shovels over a fence before we climbed it. From there, Danny walked us directly to her grave, so I know he'd gone there before, checking it all out. You could see the plot was new. A sod grass had been laid over the churned dirt, covering up the bald place fresh death makes. Danny stood on that side, me on the other. All around us were the headstones of people who had to be remembered. I don't think there are many sadder things than a cemetery. It says the most you'll probably be is a name carved into a stone no one looks at on purpose. What if someone comes... I asked. We run. No acting natural at this. He made the first move, stomping his shovel head into the dirt. Made kind of a shushing noise. Let's get to it. A shovel full of dirt was dumped to the side. I'd like to say it went quick, but it didn't. That it was easy, but it wasn't. Summer was still in its early stages, where the land was green and the nights were cool, and both of us were sweating early on. Halfway through, I thought we'd never get done. Danny brought drinks in his bag and a little convenience food. Breaks were taken, but not together. I don't know at what time we finally hit the wood of Susie's resting place, but it was late, way past midnight. You might think all that work and sweat would dampen my care to be there. It didn't. 
In fact, the silent toil grew my morbid need to see. I'm not proud of why the endeavor spoke sweet to me. Or, not sweet, but interesting. The way you hear about a foreign taste, a thing you gotta try. We stopped, shared looks. Danny had a small flashlight. He hadn't turned it on until now. We were both standing on the body section of the coffin. After we open this up, I'll need your help getting her out. And the fence will be a bitch. Getting her out? I asked. I blinked the sweat out of my eye, leaning on my shovel, speared into the dirt side. You want to move her? Yeah, he said, huffing breath. This really had been hard work. It's your fault if you're shocked. I'm not delicate or weary. I knew Danny was into weird shit. He always had been. Aliens, time travelers. I remember how he changed when he got into magic. How card tricks progressed to tricks I still don't understand. Darker magic. Him walking around dressed like an undertaker, speaking about hidden powers and death beyond death. He'd never scared me, but he'd scared plenty, for good reason. I hadn't seen enough to become a convert, but I'd seen enough to be a believer. People might laugh at saying convert and believer, but how different is magic from religion? What is the difference between casting a spell and praying? This is weird, Danny, I said. I hope it's just the start. His words, said that way, made me shiver. He moved to the casket top and opened it, spoke about ropes and shoulders. I'd say it went quick, but it didn't. That it was easy, but it wasn't. Dawn still hadn't shown by the time we had the body in the truck bed. I call it a body because only living things got names. When that stone above the pit we dug read Susie, it didn't mean the figure buried beneath it, what the stone names is a memory. And memories, God help me, live much longer than people. Danny covered the body with a blue tarp, and that's how we drove home. I sat sideways, looking out the back. My sweat was still wet on me. Dirt clung to me in portions and smelled. Grave dirt has a particular aroma I've never crossed elsewhere. I looked at that body form, wrapped in blue, and wondered how crazy I must be to not blink twice at this idea. Not even knowing where this idea was intended to lead. At the trailer, we hauled her in took her to Danny's room and laid her on a table I hadn't known he'd put there. He'd done other arrangements as well. The wide walls had all been painted black. Strange symbols were drawn all over. Used to be that Danny kept an unorganized room. Looking around, I saw nothing but emptiness, mismatched furniture, and a bed. I can't really believe it, Danny said. He rolled up the noisy tarp. A lamp was on. Outside, the sun was coming to points where roosters might crow, but you couldn't read any of that from in here. I stood by the door, not believing it myself. I've always had a problem with reality. I don't really understand a situation until it's all big, in my face. Usually, after it's too late to do much about it, except understand. Susie had been buried in a white dress. 
lace, and ivory buttons. She looked innocent, her blonde hair bright even in this dim setting. She'd gotten dirty in all our endeavors, wearing it here and there. No shoes. Still, looking at her, you saw what had once been beauty walking among us. I don't know what Danny's thoughts were at the start of all this. I figured at least some of his thoughts ran parallel to mine. We both had been products of the wrong side of town. Susie was what got held up as the right side of town. She'd been what we couldn't be, even if we tried. You can be marked for life by the kind of street you're born to. What travels it? Help me clean it up, Danny said. I'd already gone too far. So what was further? We got the bucket from under the sink, sponges, and water. The best I could do was dish soap, smelling like lemon and promising to cut grease. Danny left it to me to cut Susie's clothes off, and I wondered if maybe he'd seen into my secrets. When I was younger, dressing and undressing near her, little thoughts I couldn't speak for traveled through me like small bubbles. It was how smooth her skin looked, how bright her hair was falling all around her perfect face. Pink lips and white teeth not turned or bunched like mine. I remember how her legs were toned and so smooth-looking that I know it'd be like silk to touch them, to run my fingers up them, an idea that made warmth spill over my lower belly in regions. I cut her burial dress free of her. In school, Susie'd worn underwear that had clung to her body in ways that had made the rest of us seem less feminine. Sexy, but in such a manner that you doubted anyone's ability to pry them from her, to loose her swelled breasts, or uncover her slim sex. Who could be worthy, giving Susie a virginal aura? My underwear was rarely a matching set. Never name brand, never consisting of lace or embroidery or of an alluring cut. My underwear had always been cotton, bought in packages of one primary color or another the kind of panty you can bleed in, bras that fit poorly, though I've never had much of a chest. Danny sometimes called me Mouse. I remember looking at Susie and wanting her, wanting to be her. My thoughts have never bubbled the same over another woman. I admit to being intrigued by a woman's neck, long and tender. She was my secret back then. Laying on my quasi-brother's table, naked, None of those bubbles formed in me. Susie's body was shaped perfect, but none of her spoke to you like pillow whispers. Her skin seemed waxed. A closed Y incision scarred her chest. Bruises like what was on my face marked her body, made of colors I knew and colors I didn't, whose names you probably learn in an art class. I wanted, I said mostly to myself, to see what a beautiful thing looks like destroyed. I wanted to feel better. I'd wanted to be her once. Now I'm here and she's dead. This is my turn to be what was better. Do you feel better? Danny asked. I'm still waiting, I said. Why did we bring this here? Danny took a small metal box off his wall shelf, opened it, tilting it toward me. Inside was a large crystal, black. It looked about the size of my fist. This is why we brought it here. What is that? I asked, dumbfounded. 
Danny pulled the gem out with one hand, replacing the box. People think it's in the blood. I thought that. And it took a lot of sacrificing to learn it wasn't. Blood's part of it, I think, if you want to go quickly. He placed the dark jewel between Susie's gravity-parted breasts. From his dresser, he took a long knife. They all did it. You have to read back, but you'll see it. And the story's changed. But you can get your hands on the truth if you're willing to pay the price. The look on his face said things I didn't want to know more about. I didn't speak to that look, and I had no words as he went about his dark affairs. What I saw has never left me. The words he employed echo through my dreams. I know them like how you know the words to an important song of your youth, even if maybe it's a song you don't like. He cut Susie's chest open with a knife. The flesh split and nothing bled. I'd never seen anything like it outside of gore films. The smell that breathed out was awful. My hand covered my mouth. Danny shoved the dark gem into her chest where her heart should be. Stood back, knife in hand, and said those words. I didn't understand them at the time, still don't, but I almost did. They came to the edge of making sense. I'm an old woman now. Years and years have passed between that day and all that followed. I've never shaken the fear that tattooed me as those pale cuts opening Susie's chest came together. Where there would have been blood pouring from me was a kind of dark glow on her. It isn't the blood. It's the soul, Danny said, stepping back. He sounded scared himself. A life force, the blood, it's what keeps it in protects it. The Jews gave burnt offerings. The Mayans cut out hearts. Priests of old religions used to know how to keep life, their kings or their own. I've heard the word unnatural thrown around before. At Danny and I even, the two of us so close. During those lonely years of high school, people assumed we were fucking. Brother-sister action, the truth of my parentage not known or cared about. None of it was true, though there was reason for those whispers to pass contagiously. We had inappropriate jokes, familiar touches. It was nothing to me to walk naked around the house, a fact his friends relished until seeing me was so common their eyebrows quit raising. But I never felt a truly unnatural thing in my life, including my Susie bubbles, until I saw Susie's leg twitch, saw her toes curl. Her hands, her skin changed to the softness and color I remembered. When her eyes opened, it was me who was screaming out. I guess it speaks to the kind of person I am that grave-digging didn't bother me. A ghoulish nature, I guess. My want to hoard my living and breathing over a dead woman. Seeing that woman return to life made me know what a horrible thing death was. Which still haunts me. And all that coming back takes. I didn't want to leave the room, but exhaustion had its plans. Danny'd let me stay in his spare room, so that's where I went. I slept with the door locked. Work was an easy thing to miss, not loving my job and all, plus what was going on. When I came out again, everything felt more like what I might dream up during a drug fog than anything real. 
until I saw Susie sitting at Danny's small kitchen table, dressed in a loose shirt of Danny's, like a dress. Danny was across from her, munching on a bowl of cereal. The window above the sink explained it was late day. I stood, stopped for a moment, then took a seat. I pulled my chair inches back. Sleep well? Danny asked. Milk ran down from his lips to his chin. Are you alive? I asked Susie. Susie didn't seem to have all her lights on. Her beauty intimidated me. Her eyes scared me. She'll come back, Danny said. I think. He slurped from his spoon. I need to get her more life. What does that mean? Danny looked down at his bowl, eating. It takes life to keep life. All of us, oh, we're leaking it all the time. We're like cracked vessels you try keeping sand in. Susie, her sand pours out faster. But we can put sand back in. Which is what we did over the next few days. I wasn't the most willing participant, but I did participate. Our little trailer became a kill shelter for animals. My hands took no part in the sacrifices. I couldn't watch Danny offer up small lives to sustain this big one. But I knew, if you could call it a life, Susie moved around the trailer like she was half asleep, didn't speak, didn't reason much. The miracle of her afterlife grew to an annoyance. She would sit alone and stare at the wall if you left her to do so. But she spent most of her time following you around dead-eyed and silent, opening the bathroom door while you were sitting on the toilet. Everywhere she went, a smell went with her. Light, but pervasive. Something like the smell of graveyard soil. The upkeep proved needy. Everything has only so much life in it, Danny said. He had the carcass of a dog rolled up in a plastic sack. Youth, health, I know I can bring her all the way back if I can get enough life into her, before it spills out. I could see it too. After he took life to the altar, our bathroom, Susie seemed more alive than either of us. Eyes bright, skin perfect. She made little noises, like an infant creeping into words. I started at her one night, standing in the steam as I'd come out of the shower. She'd let herself in. Those little bubbles formed. For a moment, I felt like a smaller woman again. That girl who had to let boys feel past the elastic of her underwear, or maybe they wouldn't be interested. Maybe I kissed her to see. Probably she didn't kiss back, not really. Maybe only a little. I know Danny felt it. I could hear him through the closed door at night. We used so many animals that they piled up till we had to burn them. I know that when whatever powered her ran low, she moved sluggish, her skin uglied, bruising up again. That cut to her chest beginning to open and the rot started to make black patches. Danny never let it get so bad, but I saw all I needed to, to know what was ahead if she quit getting sand. Then one day, Danny said, Animals work, but not enough, oh. Oh, was what he called me, instead of Olivia. They don't last long enough, and people are starting to talk about all the missing dogs. 
The best we'd gotten was a couple days off an animal. We need what will last longer. Months. Real power. I can be blind in life, but I'd seen this coming. Saw what he didn't want to say as he looked at me, all knowing. This isn't about a girl, he said, sensing my hesitation, misinterpreting it as uncertainty. This is about power. It's about us not having to die, of us learning all the secrets of the dark when she speaks. You get that, right? This is us getting on the inside of things for once. I nodded slow, a nod with weight to it. Yes, can really want to be no. A week passed before I had to look that yet in the eyes. I think Danny got the feeling I wasn't in love with what he wanted. The week was to help me get comfortable with what needed done. We were close, him and I. Danny always had been there for me, and I was always there for him. A two-person team, I guess. I'm an easy teammate to have. I am the girl everyone takes from. Life takes from. All I ever want is to be needed. That's when I'm my most. Need me and I want to be what you need. Some people don't call that love. I say they haven't looked close enough. Tonight, Danny said on a Wednesday. I didn't have to ask. Susie was looking as bad as she had since coming back. We left her sitting in Danny's bedroom, wearing a cloth bathrobe. We need a girl. I think that energy will mix best, Danny said as he drove the truck toward town. Uh-huh, I muttered. I'd never hunted a person before. Danny had candidates already chosen, young, healthy. He knew the risk he was taking so he wasn't trying to be reckless. And I admit he wasn't choosing from the most promising among us. His list was made of other gravel road children or dirt road folk. Had I not been his sister, but some girl, I'd have been listed among his selections. When he stopped the truck down the road from Laura's shack, I took a deep heave. The hard part was coming. We go, we grab her. We don't want to hurt her, Danny said. I nodded. He had ropes and duct tape. I had a baseball bat. We got out of the truck. That night was that special kind of quiet only present right before you do life-changing things. Quiet for me. I walked around the back of the truck. A tarp was in the bed. Danny walked slightly ahead of me. My heart was jumping. When we were a good ten feet from the truck, I gripped the bat and gave it a healthy swing. I knew Danny wouldn't understand. I knew I couldn't explain it. Not enough so he'd be okay. About how I just couldn't. Lots of stuff I can do. This, I couldn't. He didn't feel a thing, he told me later, one of the few times we spoke. He fell forward, striking the grass with his full weight, face first. I muttered I was sorry, knowing he couldn't hear me, then ran to the truck. I never drove it much. The seat was back too far to be comfortable, making me hold myself at the front of the seat. I drove fast. This plan wasn't being made up as I went, but it felt so. Felt like every part of all I did was a mistake. At the trailer, I left the truck's headlights on, truck running as I ran into the place. 
It was stupid to think Danny was right behind me, ready to stop me, but that's what I felt. I moved with purpose. I'm sure I looked confident, but I was more scared than ever, and I felt small. I was betraying my brother. From the ill-equipped kitchen, I grabbed the biggest knife. Susie was in Danny's bedroom. I flicked the light on. She turned to look at me, stood. The robe she wore hung from her shoulders, her nude body visible where the untied robe hung open. Her skin was sallow. I saw bruises the color I'd worn on my right cheek after telling my boyfriend goodbye. She didn't ask a question or seemed worried. Me, if I felt anything, it was sorrow. She was a bright light that burnt out quick while dull lights carried on. She was born to asphalt streets with a dirt road turn. No jealousy, no envy, no bubbled lust. That don't mean it was easy to move across the room and bury that knife into her chest. But that's what I did. The blade sank untroubled into her flesh. Susie didn't seem to feel pain. Her hands came up, grabbing my shoulders, but not with any power. I think now that was due to her weakened state. Whatever parts of her looked out, those dull eyes didn't want to die. I moved the blade up, then yanked it out. I'd like to say it went quick, but it didn't. That it was easy, but it wasn't. My left hand entered her wound and tore free that dark gem Danny had given her. Only it wasn't so dark when I freed it. Susie did not gasp or cry out. She fell, unanimated. Her skin dried, shriveled, darkened. Decay took her. Not to bones or ash, but to this raisin-like form. No more beauty. No spark. I didn't feel proud to be alive when she was dead. Pity and guilt. That's what I took from Susie. Pity, guilt, and fear. I told him I buried that gem and I wouldn't tell him where, even after he beat me. The pain didn't bother me. I'm a girl you take from. We were never close after that. I moved away and life went on. Only in my dreams, Susie would be there, bloody, angry, reminding me I was a woman in underwear you could bleed in, and I'd never escape that. I married three times. My last old man was the worst. Some lives seem like their punishment. The only thing I was ever proud of was my son. Despite my draw of storm-cloud men, he grew up tender and smart and walked in a way that you knew would take him far from gravel roads. A boy with more promise than I ever had. Which is why I'm here right now. I'd have Danny with me if he hadn't died ten years ago. A black story I don't know enough to tell, but fear I believe. My son was killed last week, sitting in the college class his hard work got him into. Full ride. A boy with all of it. Killed by a no one who wanted to be someone. I know all about that, but not that way. I've got my shovel. I remember all of Danny's words. I dug up the stone from under the tree where I buried it. That tree a twisted, gnarled ruination now. And in my van... Back there, I have my ex-husband, tied up and worried. So much has been taken from me. Time to get some of that back. I don't know how much sand that man will give my boy. 
weeks, a month, enough to decide on what's next. My son is smart. One other thing Danny said has always stuck with me about how we're cracked vessels leaking life. I've come to realize he didn't only mean time, but sometimes you find more sand. The night just started, and I got digging to do. Thank you for listening to the Dark Volumes podcast. Please spread the word. Madness does love company. And we'll talk again soon.